0: We are continuing our, ser- our uh, summer, sum- I-, I can't even talk, summer sermon series today that we're calling Sunshine and Psalms. And what we're doing is we're spending the rest of the summer taking a look at some of the Psalms from the Old Testament. Today we're going to be in Psalm uh, 22. Uh, I've had a lot of suggestions and recommendations. Uh, of different psalms that people would like me to cover in this series. That's their favorite, and uh, even my my family. Uh, one of the boys sent me a message uh, this weekend with information on a couple of psalms, and uh, we were at the at the movie. Uh, can I say that we were at the movie? I had to see Elvis. I don't know, but I, I'm I'm an Elvis fan, um, and so. I'm probably going to get kicked out of the church for all that right there, but uh, anyway, he sent the text while we were in the movie, and uh, and I, I didn't respond. And he asked me yesterday, "Did you get my text?" I said, "Yeah, you know, I saw it, but I'm not, I'm not doing either one of those psalms." So uh, I get to pick. Uh, I can't do all 150, uh, and so today, one of my favorite psalm 22. I think you'll see. Uh, as we go through it today uh, because I think there's not a single one of us in here that at some point in our life we did not say that's not fair that's not fair Uh, anybody ever heard that parents anybody ever heard that huh anybody ever said that right that's not fair Because here's the deal. Every single one of us in here today think we deserve a better deal, right? We think we deserve a a, a better deal, but we live in a world where the rich get richer, the poor get poor, and bad things do happen to good people, right? But when that happens to you, When tragedy strikes, when challenges strike, when difficult circumstances, unforeseen things just hit you in a moment's notice, what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? How do you go through that? And as Christians, we have our our standard church answers, don't we? Well, take it to the Lord in prayer. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, safe and secure from all alarms. We sing the songs, we know the right things to say, but sometimes do we ever really honestly ask are we really safe from all alarms and we're loud and clear when bad things happen to say pray pray and pray some more and I'm not saying that we shouldn't but what I am saying is what if to be honest about it praying praying and praying some more doesn't help what if it feels like our prayers are not making a difference or our prayers are kind of like cell phone service at the place that we're living right now which is sketchy at best calls dropped but the ultimate drop call i believe is to pray and feel like you're not getting a response to pray and feel like that you're just not getting through. There's no answer. and not, not Even is there not only no answer, but you kind of feel like you're walking through it alone. And you don't even sense the presence of God with you as you walk through the valley of the shadow. And yes, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23 next week, talking more about that. But I believe this is the reason that so many people love the Psalms and can identify with the Psalms because in the Psalms we get this picture of these writers pouring out their raw and honest feelings and emotions. And the first thing that I believe that we can learn here is this, is that when bad things happen, prayers of anguish are not bad. And they're not wrong. And here's the deal. It's not wrong to pray and kind of voice our complaints to God. God hears that prayer, right? He already knows that you're thinking it anyway, right? So why should we not just be honest with him in our prayer life and share with him exactly how we feel? Because here's the deal. He already knows exactly how we feel. And you know what? God is big enough to handle that. He's big enough to handle those kinds of prayers i believe that's the very reason that they are recorded in his holy word so that we would know you know what it's okay sometimes not to be okay as a you know what we feel and what we feel and what we go through is only because we feel what we feel because God created us to feel, right? God created us to have feelings. God created us to have emotions. And so it's okay. As a matter of fact, we're going to see here in just a little bit that that even Jesus, the Son of God, had some of the very same feelings that you and I have had. And Experience and so we don't need to edit our prayers, right? We we don't need to feel like somehow that we've got to protect God from how we really feel and what we really think about things and and hide him, you know, hide from him our discouragement or even our grumbling. God wants our honesty, and we find that here in Psalm 22. And, and the reason that I wanted. I felt led to, to share this psalm, Psalm 22. Not only is it one of, one of my favorites, it, it's because it seems like our church in the last, I, I don't know, the last good little bit has just been bombarded with people and families going through really, really hard and difficult stuff. It seems like every time I turn around, there's another phone call. Brother Steve, this is going on in my family. This is going on in in my marriage. We need help with this situation, either in finances or relationships, physical. I can't tell you the number of people in our church that have been diagnosed with cancer and gone through that battle and some are still going through that battle. And and so, what we find here in Psalm 22, I think, is permission and and God's way of saying, it's okay to share with me that maybe you're not okay. And this, this psalm, it's cry and it's feeling of being abandoned almost gives you chills as you read through it, and you begin to see what the psalmist has written, and they believe that David was the writer of this. I appreciate June Carter uh, for reading from this psalm during our worship, but first this morning, I want to look at what she didn't read in order to drive home the point today. And so let's pick it up today at the beginning. Psalm chapter 22, starting at verse 1. The psalmist writes and starts out by saying this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but... You do not answer by night, but I find no rest. See, David here is putting on paper what we feel sometimes as human beings. David feels alone. He he feels like he's been cut off from God. He feels like that God is not even listening to him. He continues in verse 3, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. And you they, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone despised by the people see what David is doing here is he's looking back and he's looking at back at previous saints and 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 previous people of God uh, before him and he's comparing his situation that he finds himself in to theirs and he comes to this conclusion I'm not good enough to receive help from God I'm a worm God can't love such a worm as I verse 7 all who see me mock me they hurl insults shaking their heads he trusts in the Lord they say let the Lord rescue him let him deliver him since he delights in him and so not only is he a worm but people are making fun of him too Verse 9, yet you brought me out of the womb, you made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast from birth, I was cast on you from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Basically what he's saying here is this, okay God, it seemed like you had a plan, you had a plan that I would be born, you had a plan that my mother would nurse me and take care of me, but now I'm kind of doubting that you have a plan. Verse 11, do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. David's feeling the pressure mount. He's feeling the pressure of, uh, of, of uh, his enemies. They've encircled him. And they're pressing in and closing in fast. Verse 14. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. His strength is gone. His dignity is gone. He's at the end of his rope. He's ready to write it all off. He's found himself in a no-win situation. Now, as we read through the first half of this psalm, did any of that remind you of someone else? (laughs) The one who quoted this very psalm Hundreds of years later, over in the New Testament, Jesus quoted it from the cross. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46 tells us that Jesus quoted this very first verse here of Psalm 22. And like David, Jesus must have felt terribly alone. Felt abandoned, rejected, and he carried the sins of all of humanity on his shoulders. Now, think about this. This psalm was a song, and it was a song that would have commonly been sung in the synagogues after David had written it and recorded it. Recorded. (laughs) He probably didn't record it. They probably didn't play it on the radio either. But it was a common song. Um, This was why they were written. The psalms were the songbook for worship. Kind of like the heavenly highway hymns of that day. Some of you know what that is, some of you have no idea. And so this song, Psalm 22, would have been very well known by religious people and people who gathered for worship, and it would have also been very well known by the people, the religious people who had gathered around the cross as Jesus hung there. And as Jesus hangs on the cross, he quotes the very first verse of this song. And in doing that, it would have been kind of like this. If I were to say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, we all would know it. We all would know what comes next automatically in your head. That saved a wretch like me. So Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those people gathered around the cross. Immediately recognized the words that he was speaking. And the the rest of the song probably came to their mind as they were gathered there. And as they did, they would see just how vividly David's feelings... And what David was going through and what David was expressing were so eerily similar to what Jesus would go through hundreds of years later. I I just want to walk you through a few of the parallels this morning. Back to verse 7 and 8. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Now, Matthew chapter 27, verse 41. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. Back to verse 12 of our psalm. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. A picture of what Jesus' enemies was doing to his body. Physically. picture of Jesus' enemies that had gathered there around the cross that day. He says, I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Friends, this is a picture of the exhaustion and suffering of the cross. Jesus' joints are pulled apart from hours of hanging on a cross, he's dehydrated he's thirsty, his heart is melted, his heart is broken. He can no longer function as a human being because his bones, his tongue, and his heart fails him. Verse 16, dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Dogs was a common name that the Jews would use for the Gentiles back at this time. And they pierced his hands and his feet. And they divided up Jesus' clothes by casting lots. And David here in this psalm. He is pouring out his broken heart. He's battling and he's struggling, obviously, with depression, all kinds of other feelings of defeat and discouragement and doubt. And his very emotions, the very feelings that he's recording. Paints a portrait of exactly what Christ, our Lord and Savior, would endure almost 1,000 years later. Before crucifixion was even a thing. Listen, Jesus knows what being alone feels like. Jesus knows what it feels like to have been abandoned. He felt it. He endured it. He understands everything that you might have ever gone through. He understands everything that you may be going through. And He understands everything that you may face in the future. But. (laughs) And there's that word again. We saw it last week in Psalm chapter 1. You see, this psalm does not stop at Psalm 18. That's what I love about these psalms. It's like some of them you just see that from the beginning to the end, they're just like total opposites. (laughs) And and this psalm doesn't stop there at verse 18. And we read these words of David and, and the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. And we believe the full meaning of their words are yes they're wrapped in depression and discouragement and brokenness and misery but that's not the end but that all couldn't be farther from the truth they are not defeated They have not been cast aside uh, like death in the dust. And I believe someone needs to see this today or hear this today. Look at verse 19. But, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. Do not be far away. God, I know that you've made a promise to be with me, to never leave me, to never forsake me. You see, David knows this. Even though he finds himself in the bottom of a deep, dark pit, David knows, he knows that only God can help him. That only God can help him and that God is the only hope that he really has. And and some of you know firsthand, but sometimes you got to hit rock bottom before you can start your way back up. And it may be that sometimes God appears like he's not hearing us, or it feels like he's not close to us, and it feels like that he has abandoned us, when actually the truth is, is maybe he's just letting us get to the point to where we will understand just how much we need him. And we see here, David begins to draw from this hope. You you see him as, as he's putting this on paper. His pain. His suffering. His feelings. Everything that's going on. His doubt. And as he begins to write that. It's like God begins to remind him. And, and David begins to draw from this hope that he has in his Lord. His faith in God would be what would deliver him ultimately... From this misery and from his enemies. And he says in verse 19, You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. And then we see this song begin to change completely from a song that would, you know, make a good modern day country and Western. Crying in my beer song, right? To a song of, it changes from that to now a song of thanksgiving and a song of praise. And I'm not going to put the remainder of the scripture up. We've already seen it this morning, but I just want to read through it again. You can follow along in your Bible or just listen to how David's tone and his attitude changes Verse 22, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him too. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the sufferings of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. Amen? Amen. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and they will be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before Him. Him, our God, for dominion belongs to the Lord and He, He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down in the dust will kneel before Him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Listen, no one can keep themselves alive is what David is saying here. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. Declaring what? He has done it. Somebody say amen. He has done it. David somehow is able to see through his present darkness to the glory of God. And when he does see Him, he can't help but praise Him. And because of that, yeah, we may be honest and ask the question sometimes, God, where are you? God, have you abandoned me? When in all reality, we know, we really know, that He hasn't abandoned us. God's a promise keeper. And His promise to us is that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. He hasn't forsaken you you have not been defeated and again think about the parallels between this psalm and jesus yes jesus was despised yes he was rejected he was publicly humiliated and he was even abandoned By some of his closest family and friends. But through it all, when it appeared that he had been beaten. And he had been defeated. And he had been left for dead. He wasn't. And neither are you. So when Jesus quoted the first verse of this song from the cross He was showing all of humanity that He was associating with our feelings of loneliness our feelings of loss our feelings of broken heartedness our feelings of pain and suffering but that's not all the last four words of David's song says it all he has done it <laughs> which literally means it is finished That's what was accomplished on the cross was your victory, not your defeat. It wasn't his defeat, and it won't be your defeat because he has done it. It is finished. David is reminding us. I believe David is really reminding himself. God will do it. God will do it. Yes, he is faithful. And about a thousand years later, Jesus experiencing the same feelings... And same emotions that David was going through. But not just David. But I'd be willing to say almost every human being that has ever lived has experienced these same feelings at some point in time. And Jesus goes through it. But at an even greater level than we could ever imagine. Or we could ever endure. And Jesus said, It's done. It's over. It's finished. And at the end of the day, friend, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, No matter how we feel, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus went through all of that and more. Why? Because He loved you. And because He loved me, He endured all of that and so much more. And shouldn't that be enough to get us through whatever it is that we may be going through? Shouldn't that be enough to get us through whatever it is that may come in the future? And as I studied this, for some reason, I I thought back to when I was a kid, and I, I know why I thought back to it, because probably... I felt as a kid, um, how can I put this? I probably felt like I was treated more unfairly as a child than at any other time in my life. And I believe a lot of you probably can relate to that. How many of you were ever in your room saying, that's not fair? And I began to think back to, to my childhood, and, and I thought about when I would get in trouble with my parents, which was once, my sister, all the time, she's here, she was warned prior to this message that she might be a topic of discussion before we ended today. But seriously, I'd get in trouble by my parents and they'd punish me or they'd get on to me. And she would say that never happened, but it did. But when you're a kid, aren't those like the worst times of your life as a kid? When you've been punished for something that you've done? You get in trouble and I would be so mad at my parents because I was in trouble and I would get so mad at them and so angry and and they'd get on to me and and they would either you know sometimes they'd they'd send me to my room other times I would just go voluntarily because I didn't want to be around them anymore right and so I would just I would go there And I'd plop down on my bed. And sometimes I'd I'd even get in my closet. Don't ask me. I don't know. It wasn't. Some of you are going to say, he came out of the closet. Um, (laughs) I know you. But I'd go to my room. And I would begin a psalm. Or a song very similar to David. Woe is me. Right? Everybody hates me. Funny story. (laughs) It's about your brother. It's not you. I won't tell you which one of the twins, but one of the twins, we make fun of him all the time. Because one time as a young kid, man, I had had y'all in such a special moment for an altar call. And now I've just lost it. But one of our kids, uh, when they were young, he spouted that, everybody hates me. So all of his life, now we throw that back up in his face. But haven't we all said it? Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. Life's not fair. I hate my life. And I would pout and I would sulk and I'd be mad at my mama and I'd be mad at my dad because I could not for the life of me understand why they would punish me. (laughs) Because I was the good kid. The heathen was in the other room. All right? her. I'm back there, but at the end of the day, you know what would happen? I'd hear footsteps coming down the hall, and my door would open, and there she would be. That woman that woman that I had thought all those bad things about because I had been treated unfairly that woman that wouldn't listen to me that woman that wasn't being fair that woman that I thought didn't like me that woman my mom had fixed my supper and was inviting me to come to her table and eat her food. And at the end of the day, I knew she loved me. And you know what? We pout. We sulk. Woe is me. And sometimes we may go to an isolated place. And if we're honest, question, what are you doing? God, this can't be. What you intended. And then he shows up and he invites us to come to his table and eat his food of goodness, forgiveness and grace. As much as my mom loved me and my sister I know that my heavenly father loves me more. And friends I don't know about you but that's enough for even the worst day. And before we go, I'd just like to open this altar today. And maybe some of you would like to come and pray as we close out together. And I know there's a lot going on in a lot of people's lives, whether it be a child, a relationship, a spouse, a physical need. Maybe you would like to come pray for someone else. I, I don't know, but I want to open these altars to you invite you to come. come. Come now if you'd like to come pray. We'll all pray together. I just can't help but think that God's not speaking to some hearts today. Lynette sent me a reminder of something that hangs on our wall and has for a long time and it's gotten us through some difficult days. It says, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I cannot feel it. I believe in God even when He is silent. You are love. Dear God, I pray today for the broken-hearted. I pray for the hurting, for the lonely, the abandoned, the hungry, the homeless. every single one that you came to die for on that cross God I believe that uh, David's writing here is boy, it's, it's so raw and it's so emotional but I believe it so captures maybe some of us something that we've gone through A lot of people in this church are going through it right now. And you know each and every situation. God, today I pray that you would heal relationships. I pray that you would heal relationships between parents and children. That you would heal relationships. Between husbands and wives. I pray that you would. Heal physically. As I think about those in our church. That are battling. I need a. What a precious saint that has been through so much and has been so sick but she always has a smile. Pray for Brenda McNabb and Jimmy Carter. Pray for Robert Wilcox and Thank you for the great report that he got this week. But God, I pray that you continue to bring healing to his body as he recovers. I pray for Carolyn Garrett. That you would touch her physically. Brad Thompson. Billy Jackson. (laughs) Wanda Riddle. and the list just gets longer and longer I pray for our brothers in Christ out at Renewal Ranch today (laughs) they lost a young man with kids and a family to this terrible thing that's sweeping across our land today and people That are getting addicted to so many different things. And God we know that it's just in their search for joy and peace and happiness. And that only comes through you. But yet a family has lost a son and a husband and a dad. God be with them in a way that only you can today draw them close pray that you would be known and glorified through what you do in their lives in the days ahead I pray for these that are here today that are carrying a burden maybe for somebody else or maybe their own situation I I don't know you know you know exactly what's going on here and I thank you for what you're doing thank you for this reminder today of your love and your presence and the hope that we have in you And God, even on our worst days when we feel like we've been kicked and we're down and we're out and we're ready to let go of the rope, that we'll remember what David said. He has done it. We will not be defeated. The victory has already been won. Thank you for that. For doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Your love. Still amazes me. We pray and ask these things today. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Hope you have an absolutely wonderful week.